Am I on? No, oh, I am on. That's good. That's good. How many of you knew that? Three of you. Hey, all of you under 25. It's fine. Does that mean I'm down with the kids or something? Is that all right? Yeah? That's the news, boys. God's not dead. I've set Johnny a task. Um, we're going to learn that. I just thought the words for us. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. A love so bold to see a revolution somehow. Let love explode and bring the dead alive. A love so bold to bring a revolution somehow. Now I'm lost in your freedom. In this world I'll overcome. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Repeat several times let hope arise and make the darkness hide my faith feels dead i need resurrection somehow now i'm lost in your freedom in this world i'll overcome my god's not dead he's surely alive he's living on the inside and roaring like a lion let heaven roar and fire fall come shake the ground with the sound of revival let heaven roar and fire fall come shake the ground with the sound of revival my God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside and roaring like a lion. Sound familiar? Those themes. It's one of those when I... It's, it's about 10 years old. About, is that right? Those of you that know it. I think it's about 10 years old. I think it's from an album. He's, he's, he's looking at... They're looking at... Hey, hang on. Um, but those themes are just for us, aren't they? So I think I, I texted Johnny and he said, I know it. Good. Can you sing it? Oh, we'll try. He said, hopefully I'll sing it a little bit lower than they were. Because <laughs> that was quite high. <laughs> Even I couldn't get up there. So, um, But we're continuing on tonight in, that Re in Revelation 1. And, you know, we're lurching from phrase to phrase, you know. Uh, I'm going to do half a sentence tonight. I'm actually going to do two phrases, if that's all right. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, which I believe we have behind my head. And, of course, Paul asked me, is it all right? It starts halfway through a sentence. I went, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Jesus Christ, imagine the and from is not there, all right. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, we've heard about that. The firstborn from the dead, we've heard about that. The ruler of the kings of the earth, we've heard about that. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And that's the, they're the two phrases that I want to focus on tonight. Because the idea of these encounters is to get our focus onto Jesus and to encounter him. That's the plan. If you're with the plan, even better. And actually, this to read scripture like this, it sort of fits with what I was saying this morning about going from knowing to knowing, going from head knowledge to heart knowledge, to going from what is truth that we understand to truth we inhabit. And this is what we're trying to do. This is the encounter thing. Okay, are you freed from your sins? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Okay, fine. Done. But it's not, actually, is it? I mean, this is the heart of the gospel, the absolute heart of the gospel. But 
we need deeper revelation on it. He loves you. No, he loves you. No, he loves you. Yeah, but you can't say yeah, but Lord in the same sentence. Did you know that? The Lord doesn't rec- recruit yeah, buts. Yeah, but in fact, if you say yeah, but then he's not Lord, is he? Because you're going, but. So there's that element of needing to believe what he says, but actually then experience it. To him who loves us. And I'm going to do a little bit of technical stuff tonight, but not too much. Nothing painful. Honest. The tense of the verbs in the Greek, ah, here we go, is the present continuous. To him who goes on loving us. It's the same as in, in Ephesians where it says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the present continuous tense. It's not a one-off thing. Well, he loves us. He loved us and therefore that was done and now we get on with it. No, he loves us. He absolutely loves us. And I, I want us to get hold of that a bit deeper tonight. The present continuous tense is rooted in the past, occurs in the present, and doesn't stop in the future. That's why it's continuous. So it's rooted in the past. God has loved me, is loving me, and will love me. God has saved you, is saving you, and will save you. Salvation is not just a one-off. Oh, I got saved 27 years ago. You know, so what's been happening in the last 27 years then? Has he gone on saving you or did you just stop there? Did you go in the gate of heaven and then stand still? Lots of people do. They go in the gate of heaven and go, wow, I'm in heaven, great. I'm in the kingdom. There's all this stuff to explore. Oh, but I'm in heaven. I give thanks for that. Yeah, let's do that. And explore all the stuff that's there. And, oh, Jesus has saved me. That's all that counts. Don't care about anything else. He saved me. What about justice on the planet? No, no, Jesus has saved me. That's all that counts. What about other people's salvation? No, Jesus has saved me. I don't need to tell anybody else. I'm being stupid. Well, I hope I am. I hope I'm caricaturing. Sadly, I probably have heard that a few times. <laughs> Not recently. Present company ex- ex- in- excluded. Included? Well, no, what? Whatever makes sense there. Have you got evidence that God has loved you? Have you? Where does it start? Where does the evidence start? See, they're, they're all petrified to answer the question because there's always, it's always a trick, isn't there? Yeah, it's not, it's not quite a trick because there's a sort of a right answer and a number of wrong, right, wrong answers. But they're all right as well. Where does his love start? In the... Am I allowed to hug your wife? <laughs> In the beginning, he created us. 
The, the fact that God loves us is rooted in creation. How far back do you want to go? It's rooted in creation. He, he made this planet and created us as human beings because he loves us. Um, and he did that so that he could have a relationship with us. It was us that turned around and went, they will know. But probably in Aramaic or something. You know. He loves us. Creation. He loves us. He calls Israel. He loves them. They're his special people. Not because he wants one people and all the rest can get stuffed, but so that he has one people who are a light to the nations. So he has one people who show and reveal who he is and what his love is all about to everybody. That went well. They messed up a few times on the way there. And in the end got into a place where they got tight with it and it all became about keeping our people clean and our people unpolluted. And no, we won't be a light to the nations. But that's what they were called to be. And part of the reason Jesus had to come was to fulfill the role that Israel never did. To fulfill that light to the nations. That's why in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. That was always intended. But the Jew, the Jewish people were supposed to be a light to the Greeks. Greek just means non-Jew there. Don't get hung up on the Greeks specifically. Okay. So there's evidence in creation that he loves us. There's evidence in the law that he loves us. Why did he give us the law? Because he wants to protect us. Why do you want to protect your kids? Because I don't want to be held responsible for the things they do. No. Why do you want to protect them? Because you love them. Remember that. If you remember back to when your parents were overly protective and stopped you doing the stuff you wanted to do. It might be because they loved you. Could be they were just a pain in the doodars, but it might, but it might be that they loved you. So there's there's evidence that he loves us in the law, in creation, in the law, in the prophets. He loved people so much he sent the prophets to call people back, to restore them, and to tell them about what was coming, but primarily to restore them, to bring them back to an understanding of the law. And the people went. Nah, don't want to know. Have you ever loved so much and the person you're loving doesn't want to know? It's horrible, isn't it? Absolutely horrible. Well, maybe you're the lucky one that's the one that's been loved so much. You haven't been aware of rejecting people. (laughs) But actually, to, to love and be rejected is just not nice. How does the father feel like? How does it affect him? Well, then, of course, let's bring it up to, you know, to only 2,000 years ago, the evidence that he loves us in the incarnation of his son, in the teaching of his son, in the miracles of his son, on the reality of the cross and the truth of the resurrection and the pouring out of his spirit and the presence of the church. You got any evidence he loves us? But people in the world will tell you, oh, how do you know God is love? He seems horrible. I've got a whole book full of it if you want to know about it. No, well, I'm not reading the Bible. God's horrible. I call this thing about God in the Old Testament is the God of judgment. No, he's the God of love. 
It's just a deeper understanding of what the implications of that in the new. Because it reveals its progressive revelation. It, it reveals more and more as we go on. Until the fullness of the revelation, as the writer to Hebrews says, in the person of Jesus. So have you got evidence that he loves you? Yeah? Have you got evidence in your life that he loves you? Yep. Even if the only evidence you have that he loves you is that you're born again, do you know what? That's enough. But he doesn't just leave it there, does he? Have you seen answered prayer? I know you've seen some prayer not answered. Just pause that for a moment. Have you seen answered prayer? What, what confuses me sometimes is that we see answered prayer... Hallelujah, isn't that wonderful? And then we don't see answered prayer and now God's disappeared and changed. No, let's hold on to the positive stuff as well as the stuff we don't understand. He might not be answering your prayer because what you want... For, no, do you know what? He probably has answered your prayer. He just hasn't given you what you want. Do you give your kids everything they ask for for Christmas? And it's not that he can't afford it, you know. In this, in this instance, he can afford all of it. But he, he gives us what we need. He gives us what is best for us. And that's abundance. That's more than we could ever. You know, we've been given everything we need to live this godly. You know, what, really? Does God love you? He's given you himself. He's given you in himself to not just to hang on the cross, not just to rise from the dead, but he's given him of himself to you to dwell in you. You're born again of the Holy Spirit. The Holy, so is it the Holy Spirit or Jesus who lives in me? Ready? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So am I born again by Jesus? Yes. But where's the Holy Spirit there? Yes. We have everything we need. I'm sorry if some of this is repetitive, but this is the foundation of knowing that he loves us. So you know he loves you because he's present to you right now. To use one of my shorthands, God's empowering presence is with you right now. Yeah? Whether you feel that or not. If you're born again, the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. Don't let me feel like it. No, you might not feel like it, but you are. We've got to work it out, haven't we? And... So we've got evidence in the past that he loves us, and we've got evidence in the present that he loves us, and therefore we have a foundation of hope that he will love us in the future. And the foundation of hope is his character. His character, through the whole of Scripture and through your walk with him, is that he loves you. Therefore, what's he likely to do tomorrow? Stop loving you? Don't work like that, does it? Oh, but I've done so many wrong things. Do you know what? You've done so many more previously, but he still loved you. Jesus Christ, who loves us, who goes on loving us. Does he love you? Really? Just take a moment.
Just let that love seep deeper in. That thing you're finding really hard. That person you're finding really difficult to let go of. That person who's caused you pain. That situation that's such a struggle. Relationships, money, whatever it is. Let love seep in to those places. His unconditional love. And do you know how much he loves you? He loves you so much, he's freed you from your sin. You know what another phrase for sin is? Normal living. He's freed you from the normal living of the world. He's freed you from the way the world thinks. He's freed you from the way the world lives, from the way the world does relationships. Throw away not sacrificial. He's freed you from the way the world craves money and experience. Power. Glamour. He's freed you from all that. There's a wonderful image from Oh, Rick Joyner's book, The Final Quest. It's a prophetic book. Please don't, don't use it to base any doctrine on because it's his experience and his vision. And he gets to the, to the throne room of heaven and there's a seat sitting right next to the Father. And he expects to see John Calvin or you know, Mother Teresa or whoever it is. He expects to see some great saint of history. And he sees the homeless man that sits out the church, outside the church, every day, right in that seat, with his friend next to him. And he says to the angel, or the spirit, I'm quite sure who we're talking to at that time, what's going on? Why are they there? They said, well, just before his friend died, he led him to Jesus, which is awesome. And Rick says, that's fantastic, but why is he here? He said, well, just before his friend died, the other guy gave him his coat, which meant he died as well. That's what gets you near the throne room. Not right doctrine. Not headline in church history. But sacrificial love, even unto death. You're willing to die for them? You want to be like Jesus? We all want to be like Jesus, risen and exalted. Well, you've got to go through the cross, I'm afraid. That sacrifice is there. We're freed from our sin. 
Do you know how horrible sin is? If we were not covered in the blood of Christ, we could not come to the Father. It's not him going, oh, no, I don't think I like you. It's not a moral judgment. He cannot. So sin is anathema to him, is anathema to him. It cannot exist in his presence. So if we were sin, we cannot exist in his presence. And Jesus was made sin for us. So Jesus could not remain in his father's... Whoa! Put your head around that one for five minutes. Jesus didn't just take our sin. Jesus didn't carry our sin. Jesus didn't do something in his divinity that made it straightforward. But in himself and in his full humanity, he became sin for us. The thing that the Father hates above all things. And his son became... Hmm. What? That's why he goes, my God, my God. God, why have you forsaken me? He's not doubting. He's experiencing what sin feels when pushed from the presence of God. Yet he rose vindicated. And he rose vindicated, not just so we could get out of jail free. To be freed from our sin doesn't just mean we're freed from the penalty of sin, but we're free from the pollution of sin, he says, nicking a bit from Nicky Gumble. It's on the Alpha course, on the Alpha course, that bit. We're free from the pollution of sin. We do not need to be affected by these things. Now, guys, we're not stupid. We're all going to continue to sin until the day we die because when you know we're being perfected, we are not perfect in our action, though we are perfect in our being. Oh, that now and not yet stuff. But we can be free. I once heard John Wimber said, if you're in the middle of habitual sin, walk away from it. And I thought, how the flipping heck do you do that? But what John was saying was absolutely right. Are you free from sin or aren't you? Are you free from sin? He has, has past tense here, has freed us from our sin. Therefore, actually, we should be able to walk away from it. Oh, bum, I think is the theological response to all that. Because what keeps us embroiled in our sin? I do. I don't keep you embroiled in your sin. I keep me embroiled in my sin. And we can say it's the enemy, and we need to get the enemy off. That's why we do freedom prayer and all that stuff. The enemy causes it and makes it more difficult. But who gives them the enemy authority? Who allows the enemy to come in and do it? I do. Because my flesh, my, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak and battered and beaten up. We're set free from this horrendous thing called sin. And part in the church, charismatic church especially, and I hope not for us, but I think there's a danger of it that we can so downplay the impact of sin because we want to play up the reality of what Jesus has done for us that we forget how horrible sin is. Now, please, I'm not saying you've got to go and do penance because Jesus has dealt with it. 
for you. But we should, and I'm not here, we should be sickened by our sin because we know how much it hurts the Father. Sickened by your sin, by your selfishness, your laziness. I'm not. I still act selfishly. I'm still lazy. I still don't do what I want to do and do do the things I don't want to do. He says, quoting Romans 7. You know, we're in good company. Paul struggled. If Paul struggled, I think I'm allowed, you know. But not in that, oh, I'm allowed, <laughs> isn't everything fine? It's actually, I'm allowed. Wow, I'm allowed. Wow. Maybe I'll take this seriously and do something about it. He's freed us from our sins by his blood. What does that mean? We are ransomed. That's what it means. He's paid the price. He's removed the shackles, the restraints. He's given us liberty to live. We're no longer slaves. We're free. But you know what we're free to be? Slaves of God. We're freed from the slavery of sin to willingly choose to be a slave of God. A servant of God. That's why my Alex has got, he's got a tattoo. <gasps> Tattoos? He's got a tattoo. And he's got the word doulos. There? There. Thank you. Got the word doulos written on his arm. Because the people who were tattooed at the time were slaves. They were tattooed with the owner's mark. And Alex has got himself tattooed with the word that means slave. But means slave of God. So it's not just a tattoo. It's a statement. It's actually a statement of faith. Which is awesome. And it's a flipping hard one to get rid of if he changes his mind. It's always there. But he's marked. You're marked, actually. Please, I'm not suggesting you all go out and get a tattoo tomorrow that says do lots on your arm. But actually, you are marked inwardly. You're stamped by the seal of the Holy Spirit. You are owned by Christ. You belong to him. But you're free. And you're freely chosen. Put your glasses back on, Laurie. You wrote the next bit smaller. Okay. And we're free because of his blood. The spiritual world runs on blood. Just look at the Old Testament. The blood sacrifices that were made as an atonement for sin. If you go into anything about the occult, you see it's all about blood. Animal sacrifice, human sacrifice. And of course the cross is the giving of blood as a sacrifice. Thank God it's once and for all. His blood has spoken a better word than any of the other blood. Because it's the blood of God himself. Why blood? We shrink away from blood. But actually blood is about life. It's blood that gives life. It's not just about death. Death. 
in the death of Christ, we have life. Really? Yep. It's by his blood we have. Do you, you do realize the cross hasn't saved us? It's what happened on the cross that saved us. It's Jesus that saved us through the cross, by his blood. We saw some of those images on that um, PowerPoint that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Pretty nasty images of Jesus, aren't they? But they're beautiful. Because for without them, we'd be nothing. Oh, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to know. Come on, let's look Jesus full in the face and see the blood. And tell him how beautiful he is. Not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus of the children's Bible, but the bloodied, beaten, drowning man on the cross that those images showed you. And he's beautiful. That's the price of us being freed by his sin, by, freed from our sin. And this is all about life. It's about um, atonement. It's about the price that has been paid. Big word coming up. It's about the propitiation of our sins. What's the price that has been paid? Not because God held us for ransom, not because the enemy held us for ransom, but because there is a price to be paid for freedom. God can't, can't look the other way and ignore our sin. He sees our sin and it is anathema to him, so it has to be dealt with and it's through the blood that the price is paid. The mercy seat of God, if you look back into... Um, Exodus and Leviticus, they've got the tabernacle, and the lid on the top is called the mercy seat of God. And that's where the blood of the sacrifices were put. Was, yeah, the blood was put there to cover the mercy seat to bring forgiveness. And there was a scapegoat, an escape goat. And sin was laid on and sacrificed back. That word, mercy seat, is here in, Romans, in Hebrews 9.5. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. Flipping NIV. Let's make it, let's make it as inaccessible as possible. Don't try going back to the older versions. It's even worse. <laughs> But it's the atonement cover, the at-one-ment cover. <laughs> I love the writer. But we can't discuss these things in detail now, probably because he's too confused. Um, but this is the atonement seat. This is the mercy seat that's covered in blood. Where is the mercy seat now? There's two places at once, one rooted in history and one present right now. Where is the mercy seat? The cross, covered in the blood. And where is the mercy seat? Where do we receive our forgiveness? In our hearts. So that phrase, you know, that are you washed in the lamb of the blood, brother? You know, it's awful, isn't it? It's dreadful, but it's absolutely flipping true. 
Are you washed in the Lamb of the blood? Does the blood of Christ cover you? It's also here in Romans 3. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Actually, the helistalion, the word there that it means, mercy seat, is there. God presented him on the mercy seat through faith in his blood. So God has paid the price, has covered the mercy seat in blood, so that we can come into his presence. Martin preached, oh, it's a while ago now, isn't it, about you know, the, the priest going in and being tied and pulled out and all this. We don't have to do that. We can go into the inner sanctum. Now, Christ has done it. What I'm going to encourage us to do as I come into land is to recognize the truth that the, this sacrifice of Christ is perfect. We need nothing more. It's once and for all. Are you free? You can't talk to me. Are you free? Are you cleansed? Are you released? Do you need to be free? Do you need to be cleansed? Do you need to be released? Actually, we do. Not in the now, but because of the not yet. Not in the reality before God, but in our experience of walking to that. We're going to use a song in a moment. It's a song we know. That, guys, the words are probably on the computer. Paul, I don't know if you realize... The song we're about to use, Jason Upton, the words are probably, because we have sung it here quite a lot. Can I encourage you to come to the mercy seat? To come to Christ before him. And ask him these questions. What shackles me, Lord? What holds on to me? Or maybe, what do I hold on to that stops me being free? And as the music plays, can I encourage you to come to that mercy seat, to that cross, to the person of Jesus, and give him those things again. I'm going to pray over us and tell the enemy to get lost so he doesn't spoil this. Just give them to him again. And I can hear it, sorry, I can hear in my spirit, maybe one or two of you are going, again? I've already done this. Well, do you know what? You might have to do it again, and again, and again, and again. You know how your kids keep coming back around the same things again? And, you know, I, if I'd watched Rob, the Walt Disney Robin Hood once, I watched it a thousand times. I knew all the work. But why, so why do I, why do you watch it, Laurie? Why do you go around again? Because I love James. I don't think he wants to watch it now. He's 28, you know. But 25 years ago, he wanted to watch it again and again and again and again because he loved it. The father's never going to say again. He just says, come, my children, come.
be cleansed, be released, be filled up. Come to the mercy seat. Ask him to show you. And take hold of your freedom. He loves you and has set you free from your sin.